Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ at 3 o'clock. Kyle Bailey will take over. Smoke Ludwig by his side. They'll bring you all the way up until 6 p.m. Charlotte Hornets play tonight. We'll be taking on the Washington Wizards. We'll also speak with Sam Farber on the Body Works Plus guest hotline at 2.20. He'll get us ready for that game. And he'll discuss how the Hornets can win their third matchup of the season against the Washington Wizards. Remember, you can also text into the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. Saw an ESPN article between Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano, a couple of ESPN NFL insiders, discussing Sam Darnold's future in Carolina. So what they'll do is they'll get together at the end of every week discuss some of the more interesting questions and a lot of times they revolve around the quarterback position mm-hmm. because it is so important in all of college football and of course the NFL. Sam Darnold played well this last time out. They did not ask him to do a ton, but they did ask him to do more than Baker Mayfield. They did have him throw the ball downfield. Sam at least chose to do that and was accurate enough to complete some passes to DJ Moore, whether it be in the end zone for that touchdown pass, whether it be along the right sideline, picking up first rounder or picking up first downs, I should say, and doing so against a first rounder in Pat Sertan. Here's Steve Smith joining the Kyle Bailey show earlier this week, discussing the Panthers offense and how it was run under Sam Darnold. When I look and evaluate how the Carolina Panthers played yesterday, how Sam Darnold played yesterday compared to the last time Sam Darnold played and he was under center and started for the Carolina Panthers. It wasn't that great, but he's taking the time that he was sitting and getting healed up. He came out a bit. He was efficient. Uh, he, he made some good throws. He stepped up in the pocket. He kept his eyes down the field. Steve Wilkes did a, a great job, and, and Ben McAdoo as well, of controlling the clock, controlling the plays, playing keep-away football, and they did a good job. I don't expect Sam Darnold to ever be what the reputation could have been for him coming out of college, being that top pick. Never going to live up to that type of hype. But I do think Sam Darnold can do enough to be a high-end backup in the league. Mm -hmm. Very big difference. Not a franchise guy. Even if Sam Darnold plays pretty well going forward. I don't think it means Carolina is going to alter their decision to draft a QB in the upcoming NFL draft process. It should not prohibit them from drafting a first-round pick or a first-round QB. I don't care if Sam Darnold does play well the rest of the way. To me, I think that's about the best Sam can do is play himself back into the consciousness of NFL teams where they're willing to take a shot at him being a high-end backup. And maybe this bridge starter, if you have another first-round QB on your roster, have Sam play the first five, six games, eventually pass the baton to whoever that rookie QB is. That's the ceiling for me, Wes. I don't care how well he plays. Do you agree with that sentiment on what Sam Donald can do going forward? 100%. I think that is the ceiling for him. Uh, we haven't run that where he's starting the NFL before Baker Mayfield again. Just going off of that point, uh, I don't think anyone will willingly choose for them to be a starter again. But one thing I do think that's going in Sam's corner is that they talked about before uh, the last game, you know, him not having football and how much he 
found his love again for the game. I think coaches love stories like that. And I think his play is going to bear that out as far as what does he do when he comes back? Is he a more, is he a better decision maker when throwing the football? Is he going to cut down on the turnovers? Because the physical ability is there. And like you said, not to be a starting quarterback in this league, but a high-end coveted backup because, you know, he can run. He does have the arm strength. He can throw with accuracy uh, at times. The big thing for him is if he can cut down on the turnovers, he's definitely going to be a guy that people will want to have on their roster as a backup. Well, now, and he would panic, too, last year. The the, the ultimate, the, I think, if you believe in Sam Darnold salvaging something consistent as his career goes on, it's all about playing behind a solid offensive line because he didn't have that with the New York Jets. Even Mekhi Becton, who looked like he was going to be a real nice player come out of Louisville, would get hurt, and now he's been injury-ridden. The one year, I believe, he had of Mekhi Becton up there with the Jets, that was an offensive line that was not good. Mm-hmm. Carolina, under Matt Rule, decided, hey, not only are we going to go after Sam Darnold, but we're actually going to bring a couple guys over that played for the Jets, like Pat Elfline, and have him start on this O-line and, and try to protect Sam Darnold. The way they performed last year, the O-line, it was awful. And then Sam also was not very good. It's why they decided to go after Baker Mayfield. It's why they decided to go to Cam Newton midseason mm-hmm. and play anybody but Sam until, of course, you had to go back to Sam at the end of the year. I do think that's the only saving grace that, that Sam Darnold has. If he puts together a couple of nice performances for Carolina, then he can point to, hey, if you give me time, I won't panic. And I can continue to get these checks in the NFL. Not going to start for another NFL team, not be the franchise guy, but I can continue to be the Chase Daniels of the world, the football Jesuses of the world that is Charlie Whitehurst. Can I, can I do that and just have a clipboard? Mm-hmm. That's all he needs. And I think, because right now you're talking about him being out of the league, right? At, at least before he was able to give you this performance, you were talking about him one other shot, basically just being a backup QB. What's crazy, though, you don't think so? What were you thinking? Nah, I didn't think that because the NFL is so quarterback-starved. So many coaches feel like they can revive a lot of these plays. I mean, you have quarterbacks that get called off off the couch. Look at McCown that's been called off the couch so many times. So I just think that Sam Darnold had too much ability. There's always going to be a coach in the league that feels like that they can do something with him, not in a starting capacity. But certainly, I would, I would say Darnold, on ability alone is better than a lot of backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I would have argued, well, I mean, Carolina would have too, that Baker Mayfield was better than Sam coming into this year. It's why you went after Baker. That's why it's... But ability-wise, I didn't think so. Sure. All the talent in the world, but Baker Mayfield had given you a season that led the Cleveland Browns to a playoff appearance and performed well in the playoffs. I mean, there's a reason they went after Baker, and there's a reason why people thought there was an outside shot for Carolina to reach the playoffs. If you just had an average QB, could Baker Mayfield reach that? Could Baker be an average quarterback and give you something close to what he did the postseason appearance with Cleveland? If so, Carolina would be somewhat successful. But that didn't happen, and he was really, really bad in every single start, every single one, even against Baltimore when he comes back after the injury. Awful, right? Everything is awful when Baker Mayfield plays QB. It's why I'm surprised to hear myself and truly think that Sam Darnold will have a better shot to be a backup, a high-end backup, compared to what Baker gave you. That's how bad he's been this year because – Even with a good offensive line, that's what doesn't make any sense. Good offensive line, 
good enough weapons to work with here in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it just went so south, even after what you experienced last year in Cleveland, if you were Baker Mayfield. So the fact that Sam is the guy we're talking about, maybe going on to another team to be low-end starter, high-end backup, and Baker is now behind Sam Darnold in the pecking order, despite you wanting to go after Baker and picking up the fifth-year option on Sam. That's how much they wanted to move off of the USC product that had been drafted so high by the Jets. Kind of crazy how this year has played out at the quarterback spot. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, And yeah, and I was mainly speaking to just the fact of Darnold being out of football, period. But yeah, it's been crazy the way that uh, this quarterback room has come, but like I said, when you don't draft well and you make bad decisions in free agency, this is not uh, not dawning on anyone that these are the results uh, that you're going to get, and that's why you have to figure it out this offseason and really get your guy in there because time is ticking. Somebody did write in, Steve Carolina Cat on the Garage Door Guru text line. Now, Walker, remember, Rule had nothing to do with bringing in players. He was at the GM. That's what <laughs> Matt Rule would lead you to believe. Fiddy, do we have the Matt Rule soundbite from earlier? We weren't able to get to it, but Matt Rule did speak again. I didn't want to spend too much time on this just because I want to move on. Matt Rule, I feel like, is not allowing us to move on. But here he is on the Zach Gelb Show, which you can also catch right here on 92.7 FM WFNZ, discussing how... He never threw anybody under the bus. Hopefully when people look back on my time, they, they'll say like, you know what? He never threw anyone under the bus. He never made an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, no decision was made at the Carolina Panthers when I was there that was made by me unilaterally. <laughs> I didn't pick. I didn't make a draft pick. I didn't make one draft pick. You know, I had a lot of input. I had a lot of feeling. Some things were said early on. And so a lot of criticism came my way. I'm going to be old someday and say, you know what? I never I, I never took a shot at anybody. I, I never wanted to be a distraction to this year's team because I, I signed up to coach this team all year and it didn't work out. I'm in a great place right now, but I'm never, ever going to respond to some negative article about me or some negative story about me because that could distract Frankie Luhu and J.C. Horn and the guys that I promised I'd give my best to for this whole season. So, uh, you know, I think we build a pretty good team in a lot of areas. I feel like maybe next year if they make one or two key moves, some great things would happen. But there was never a time when we had a huge deal on the table or something and I said, no, no, we're not doing it. That's not the way the organization was run. I don't know what the worst thing is that he said in those comments, but Matt Rule saying he'll never respond to an article written about him by referencing what those articles might be on the Zach Gelb show is hilarious, that he's never going to respond to those. (laughs) But here he is trying to, I mean, that's what he's doing there, saying I never threw anybody under the bus, which I don't agree with. You threw Teddy Bridgewater under the bus. When Teddy Bridgewater was here, the best quarterback that Matt Rule ever had during his tenure with Carolina talked about how Teddy Bridgewater shouldn't have thrown it to Curtis Samuel on a fourth down attempt late in the season when Curtis Samuel was about six yards shy of the first down marker, that Teddy Bridgewater should have thrown it deeper. You know, Fiddy, I know that you have a problem with Matt Rule when he threw Teddy Bridgewater under the bus. What was it, at the senior bowl when he was going down there to try to, you know, figure out who I guess not he wanted to draft, but the Carolina Panthers wanted to draft with his input. Yeah, so Matt Rule's agent needs to get in his ear and tell him to shut the hell up. Because he's not helping himself while talking about his time here in Carolina. Cause everything he said has been either wrong or a lie. And and look, nobody wants to hear that when you won eleven games in three seasons. Had you had success here, even minimal success and you wanted to say the things that you said, we probably wouldn't bat an eye. You were a failure. Like, like you were getting paid $40 million to go away, 
And Steve Wilkes is doing a much better job with the team that you supposedly built, and you want to take the credit for it? Get the hell out of here, man. I'm so glad his smock-wearing ass is in Nebraska. <laughs> Damn. Talk about foul line. I mean, what what is? I don't understand why Matt Rule needs to keep doing this. I know it's the ego. I know he wants to try to alter people's memories of how it went here in Carolina. But the other crazy thing about this is when he leads the soundbite off by saying, he had a lot of input in who people in who the Carolina Panthers drafted, but that he never made a draft pick. Well, then what are you doing? Right. What, what, how does that make any sense? Didn't he have like 51% of, of final yeah. say on the roster? Which, which is what I've said a million so times. So let me get this straight. You didn't make a draft pick, but your wife wanted you to draft Chuba Hubbard? That's an even worse look, Matt. That's amazing. It's mm. amazing. You hear that mic cracking like that? It does. And yeah, it was hilarious. I love it. His wife did want to draft Chuba Hubbard, mm -hmm. and he couldn't wait to tell Chuba that fact. And he couldn't wait to do it. And I, I mean, Matt Rule had a lot of control over this personnel. I just, I mean, does he feel like he's fooling people? Because the text line certainly isn't fooled. Everybody is making fun of him right now. I mean, what you're saying, you're contradicting yourself every time you get on the mic. Yeah. We have evidence of this stuff that you said in previous years. If you need to live with that yourself by saying, I never threw anybody under the bus. Okay, cool. But you did. You threw Joe Brady under the bus. You wanted to talk about how you wanted to bring in people you knew, more experienced coaches, which was also a criticism for Matt Rule, but you brought in Joe Brady instead. And then when people were criticizing Joe Brady, I remember, I think it was Mike Greenberg who had a promo running on ESPN radio for a long time, making fun of the fact that Joe Brady was out of the office when he got fired. And then they had to bring him back in order to do it in person. But in reality, that was Matt Rule who left when Joe Brady was still trying to get up to speed with the Cam Newton offense thing, bringing him aboard. And then Matt Rule comes back, and that's when Joe Brady already left. And so it's a spun cycle to favor Matt Rule instead of Joe Brady, when in reality what we would see afterwards is that, no, people were actually mad about Matt Rule leaving after the bye week and then coming back only for Joe Brady to have been gone after putting some work in and then making Joe Brady look like the bad guy. I mean, there have been plenty of people that were thrown under the bus indirectly or even directly at the podium when Matt Rule was, quote-unquote, trying to even keep accountability or, or take accountability for the losses. Man, I never got that sense from Matt Rule anytime he spoke to the media. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. It just shows you people just, they say anything, and, and Matt Rule is just making himself look worse and worse. And I wonder what the Nebraska people think about that to see all the things that he's been saying going forward. Does that make them... Uh, m make their trust in him go down just a bit just to see some of these character flaws that he's been displaying. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it's going to go this time around. I don't know if he's learned his lesson, but apparently not the way that he's talking with right. this type of media car wash mm -hmm. where he keeps it. Now he's going on all the shows, right? He was doing it in order to get a job. Now he has one and he wants to share all of his thoughts with you. I don't want to spend all this time. I've seen some people write, Hey, Matt rule is gone. Let's just go ahead and move on from it. Okay, cool. But he is talking about his time with Carolina. And right. I just, you know, sometimes you need to set the record straight. And what Matt rule is spewing out here is lies about what happened during his Dumbass. tenure here with the Panthers organization. We have a couple more segments to go. We're going to get to our segment with Sam Farber coming up next as he talks about the Charlotte Hornets game tonight against the Washington Wizards, which you can catch right here on 92.7 FM, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming back next with Sam Farber.
Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. The Charlotte Hornets take on the Washington Wizards for the third time already this season. And you can hear Sam Farber on the call, 92.7 FM here on WFNZ. Let's welcome him in now to the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, been nice to have a couple of days off, but we're anxious to get back to work here at the hot. Yeah, three days off. Kind of weird in the NBA regular season, especially for the Charlotte Hornets and the start that they got off to this year. Now, they have already played Washington a couple of times, as I just mentioned. They did lose both of those. Sam, why did the Hornets lose those first two games against Washington, and what do they have to do differently? Well, I think the the number one, two, and three reasons are injuries, and that's been the storyline throughout the year. But I, I think you also have to be able to compartmentalize things and say, hey, there is an overarching reason why the team has been in a losing trend, but that can't be an excuse on a day-to-day basis on why you don't pick up individual wins. And when you look at the two head-to-head matchups with the Washington Wizards, it comes down to shooting. The Hornets just are not shooting well enough, and the injuries do a lot of impact in those categories. But at the end of the day, everyone out there on the floor is being paid to be there and is doing being paid handsomely for a reason, and that is because they have the ability to knock down these shots. So uh, we'll, we'll wait for more clarity here. It looks like, uh, you know, for the most part, it's the same group that was out there against Boston plus Terry Rozier, but that's enough shooting there to be able to come up with this win. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask you next. It was the Terry Rozier update because they did lose big to Boston, but when Terry Rozier wasn't going to be able to play, you were still dealing with quite a few injuries plus Terry. What is the update on him as far as you know it? And how big is that going to be for Charlotte tonight? Well, for Terry, it, it was illness, and you know you never want anyone to you know be feeling under the weather at any point in time. But I guess the good news from a basketball sense is that tends to clear up fairly quickly. Um, so you know Terry has been going through practice. Uh, all signs indicate that he's going to be good to go and basically back at 100. percent And uh, the team needs him. They they need two or three of their top guys, and that's something we haven't yet experienced. Uh, something the Charlotte Hornets have been grappling with all season long. But just having one of them makes a huge difference especially when you look at this Washington team where, you know, yeah, they're 11 and 11 and they're in the top 10 position right now in the East, but by and large, they've had their big three with them. Kuzma's played just about every game. Porzingis and Beal have been out there for the majority of games. Uh, That's something that would be awful nice for Charlotte to experience for a 20 game stretch. Sam, and these two wins that they've gotten recently, what are some of the positive things that you've seen that you feel like they can bring uh, into tonight's game to make it three out of four? Well, I think they they played a really, really good Minnesota team. You know, I remember thinking during that game, like just looking at how that roster fit together and the star power they had and the, the balance between scoring and defense, that you know that was one of the better teams I thought that the Hornets had played. And so I think in terms of their confidence right now, it, it skyrocketed because even without their major pieces, you're seeing these guys find success against really quality teams, uh, even forcing overtime against Cleveland. That was a quality result. And so any little bit of confidence for these guys matters because it's not like when Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier all are on the floor at the same time that everyone else is going to fade away. They're still going to be counted on just for very different roles. And then what did you see as far as just the, the turnovers in those two wins and all season long, just the turnovers what do you feel like? How paramount is that? Do you feel for them to uh, to cut down on that? And what do you see as why as far as why they've been so turnover prone? 
Well, it's huge because, you know, Charlotte just by and large has not been good enough of a shooting team to give away possessions. If anything, they need to generate more. They have to pound the offensive glass. They have to uh, create turnovers. They have to take five to six to ten more shots in a game to be able to make up the difference in, in field goal percentage of their opponents. And so the games where they're able to execute that, they have a real shot. And it almost hasn't mattered who they've played. You know, Boston's an exception. They're the best shooting team in the league. The Hornets have been, statistically speaking, the worst. And so, you know, as soon as they knock down a few shots and you look at the roster and look at the bench and see, you know, most of the Hornets' star powers in the street clothes, kind of knew how that one was going to end. But outside of that game, if Charlotte's hitting the glass, if they're not turning it over, if they're winning those margins and attempting more field goals than their opponents, they've got a shot, and I think tonight's no exception. Sam Farber, voice of the Hornets, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, Sam, we saw Jalen McDaniel score a career-high 24 points against Boston. What does he do so well for this team, and why has he earned the trust so much from Steve Clifford? He's just very good at making quick decisions. and I don't want to describe him as robotic because he's not, but it's almost you know that just instantaneous decision-making. He's not thinking, okay, do I drive here or shoot here? It's just he knows. He knows what to do in all of those actions. And that's not to say that he's a perfect player or he doesn't make mistakes, um, but he is just so quick in these decisions that he, it allows him to take further advantage of the physical gifts that he's been blessed with. And, and I think that 24-point game was huge. It hopefully will be a launch pad for him and for the team as a whole because even though it was a blowout loss, you look at the numbers, Charlotte shot a lot better than they had been the last few games, even ones that they had won. And so this is a make-miss league, and the more you're making shots, the more you're seeing the ball go through the cylinder, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Yeah, in that game they gave up 140. It was defense, not offense for sure. And hopefully the shot can keep falling for the Charlotte Hornets. And Kai Jones didn't have his shot falling against Boston, but I think maybe that's a game you can throw out as far as what you can expect going forward. But what you did see from Kai was logging another 20-minute game, just like he did against Minnesota. You did see him quite productive in a victory for the Charlotte Hornets against the Timberwolves. Talking about players earning the trust of one Steve Clifford, how is Kai Jones doing that, Sam? Uh, He's doing it by doing things very similar to what Jalen does, and that is making quick decisions and doing what's best for himself and the team. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean he's never allowed to take a three-point shot. He knocked one down, I think, in the last couple of games. But it means, you know, being a little judicious about, you know, what opportunities to take advantage of where and and where to just, you know, take your God-given gifts and put them into play. And, I mean, Kai is such an incredible athlete. He's just kind of been waiting in the wings here for his opportunity. And I think something that Coach Clifford said in recent weeks really you know, is important to, to note that you don't have to have playing time in the NBA to improve. And Kai is a perfect example of that. He put in so much work in the G League, so much on the practice court, and it, it kind of goes unseen. And I know for a lot of fans, it's out of sight, out of mind, and I get that. It, you know, If you haven't done something in your rookie year, uh, it's just assumed you're a flop and the reality is these guys are very, very young now when they enter the NBA with more limited basketball experience than maybe their contemporaries from two or three decades ago. So it does take some time, particularly for big. But Kai Jones is a great example of someone who is figuring it out and being able to contribute now. And I think that three-point shot, one day it's going to be there. I think his game is going to get more and more well-rounded, and we might have a monster on our hands. But for now, he's a very high-quality player that's doing a lot to help his team. Sam, talking about Kelly, and we see the numbers that he's putting up to 19.7 points per game to five rebounds, but he's only shooting 29% from three-point three land. 
What do we make of him this season? Is this a guy that's just getting good numbers on a bad team, or is this a guy that you can look at going forward and say, hey, this guy's going to be an integral part of uh, the Hornets and what they want to do? Well, I think if I'm being honest, I think the answer is both. I think, you know, after 21 games, I think one thing we can say definitively is that if Charlotte doesn't have any of their big three, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball on the floor, it's not a playoff team. I don't think that's a shock to anyone. I think if you look at Washington and say, hey, let's remove Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, do we think that's a playoff team? No. If we go to Boston and we take you know, uh, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum off the floor for 20 games. Is that team going to finish above 500? Probably not. So, you know, you you as a team, you have to have your best players. But then you have other guys who are going to step up and and really create that separation from everyone else. So do I think Kelly Oubre has demonstrated that, you know, he is uh, an elite number one option right now? I think statistically he's putting up those kinds of numbers, but the results haven't been there. But the thing about Kelly is, you know, these numbers have been consistent year after year after year. He's an elite scorer. And so the fact that he's doing this without the three-point shot being there so far leads me to believe that when you add LaMelo Ball, you add Terry Rozier, you add Gordon Hayward, all of a sudden shots are more open for Kelly Oubre. The numbers are just going to continue to accelerate here. Um, so, you know, I, I think both are true. I, I don't know that Kelly Oubre on his own as uh, the 20-point score is going to be enough to get this team into the playoffs. But I do think this is sustainable for him as other guys get back into the fold. You can hear Sam Farber on the call tonight as the Hornets take on the Washington Wizards for the third matchup of the season. The voice of the Hornets joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Sam, have a great call. We appreciate you hopping on with us. I appreciate you guys having me, and hopefully we'll see you here at the high three straight home games. It's a rarity, so come on out and enjoy it. Uh, with us here at Spectrum Center. Always a good time at the Spectrum Center. Hopefully the Charlotte Hornets can get back in the win column. They did win a couple of games in a row before this loss to the Boston Celtics, so hopefully they can get back to their winning ways. It's Weston Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, Wes, how can they do that against Washington? This is not a juggernaut of a Boston Celtics team that is maybe the best team in the entire NBA, especially with the Hornets having been down five guys. And once Terry was gone, I felt like that one was going to be over pretty immediately. You know, that one was going to be really tough for Kai Jones to get 22 minutes, Teo Maladone to get 39 in that one, and you have to rely so much on those players to beat Boston with Jason Tatum, with Marcus Smart. Even with their injuries, they still have a ton of talent. It's why they are going to be a championship contender. But Washington's not a championship contender. They are not. You do get Terry Rozier back. I feel good about this one, right? I I do think that you can go back to the win against Minnesota good victory. I do feel like you can go back to the win against Philadelphia. They took care of business just like they were supposed to with a very injured 76ers team. I'm hoping they can make three of four wins in their last four games. As I mentioned, how confident are you feeling in Charlotte? Uh, I just feel like, like I said, I feel like law of averages, two teams similar, even though Washington's got a better, better record than them by a few games. Uh, But the Hornets tonight, I feel like to get it done, Terry's going to have to just exhaust himself being a playmaker and a scorer because this team is sitting there 17th in assist ratio. And I think that when you have the stars out, you have to uh, pull the sum of your parts together and really lock in and play team basketball. And I think that's the key for this team. Cut down on those turnovers, assist, get those up even more, just play a team style of basketball so that you don't – 
exhaust Terry with him being your number one option because he's got to do a little bit of both. Yeah, he does. And when you bring back Terry, the the thing about his game this year, it's been the fact that he's had to man so many minutes at the point guard spot. Right. I tried to give him credit at the beginning of the season. I thought he did a good job, but then he got hurt mm-hmm. and this team suffers when Terry can't go to his natural position. Even if Terry is playing better at point guard sometimes, it still is not what is best for the team what Terry can do. He's a catch-and-shoot guy that has become one of the best catch-and-shoot players in all of the NBA. He's been really clutch in that role. He still has had some clutch moments this season. Had a big shot against Minnesota to help him. One of his six three-pointers attempt that he made, but it was a big one. You can go to Cleveland, where he was player of the game against the Cavaliers when I believe that went to two overtimes. Eventually, the Hornets would lose, but Terry allowed that game to continue with some of his clutch shots. It's needing LaMelo Ball back. It's needing Dennis Smith Jr. back, who's been out now with another ankle injury that has not held him out as long as LaMelo, but an ankle injury that has not allowed him to be fully healthy. And while Teo Maladone has done an excellent job on a two-way contract, still not someone that you can heavily rely on, too. I'm hoping Terry can move back to that shooting role, off-ball role, that helps Charlotte maybe get the victory against Washington. Who are some of the other players you feel like need to step up against Washington outside of Terry as we expect his return after the illness? Well, for one, whoever that Bradley Beal is going to be guarding because that's going to be your best effort against him is to try to tire him out, uh, you know, on defense when you guys have the basketball. So, but as far as this individual players, uh, I think that front court has to continue to step up, whether you're talking about Plumlee or whether you're talking about PJ. But I think if I had to point to one guy, I would say it's PJ Mm -hmm. because, when you're talking about the injuries, no Haywood, no Melo, PJ has to be the guy. There's no question about it. He has to be the Robin to Terry Rozier's Batman. And I'm not talking about 16 to 18. He needs to be in the 20s. He needs to be making his presence felt out there on the basketball court and be that type of guy that wants to earn that big contract. Because you look at Terry right now, I mean, he's third in the NBA in minutes played per game. This is a career high for him and minutes played per contest, man. So, you know, his field goal percentage, he's shooting 38% for the year. So those minutes are taking a toll on him. He's going to need somebody else, especially to take that scoring load off of him. And I think no doubt it's P.J. Washington. Yeah, the last time they played Washington, P.J. had 13 points. The first matchup, he had 25. Both games were close. You had Gordon Hayward for this last game against Washington. Gordon Hayward is out still with that shoulder injury. He had 20 points, actually played pretty well against Washington. 37 minutes logged this last time out. 7 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, and contributing everywhere else. Five assists for Gordon, five rebounds for Gordon. He matters so much to this team. And people hate hearing that because he's often injured. People hate hearing it because he's making $30 million a year. I get why you're frustrated about it. But the fact is, he still matters a lot to the way that this team is constructed. And when he's out on top of LaMelo, on top of all of these other guys, it's just really tough to find a way to win basketball games. Hopefully, Gordon Hayward, if he's not helping this team by being on the roster playing for him, hopefully he helps him by gathering as much as you possibly can in the trade market. But it's still going to be tough to maximize that trade potential while he's out with this injury. And I'm not sure if that's really going to help the Charlotte Hornets with the way that he continues to have this shoulder problem going uh, going the rest of this season. That's why I think Kelly Oubre, like, he's been a hard player to evaluate for me when you bring up Oubre. The three-point efficiency, it's down. Yeah. I mean, right even, even in this game against Washington, he was only one of seven the last time they played. 
but 10 of 20 from the field. This is Kelly actually practicing what Steve Clifford has preached, playing inside out. Kelly has upped his field goal attempts per game by five. It's a lot of shots that he's taken. 17 per game this year compared to 12 last year. And we all kind of thought as Kelly Oubre as a chucker last season. So he's... He's making a lot more shots at the rim, though, because the seven, uh, the, the three-point attempts are very similar. They're pretty much the exact same, except the efficiency's down, but he's getting to the rim a lot more. And so, yes, while I'll never expect Kelly to be a even a 37% three-point shooter, which would do wonders for his game, he's a good attacker. He's a good finisher at the rim, and that's what you love to see him doing more of, and that's what's helping his game and the Charlotte Hornets offensively. Yeah, and that's the thing about Kelly is that he plays with the scorer's mentality, and I think that's the biggest positive that he brings to the table, and he's willing to get a bucket by any means. Like I said, if the threes aren't going in, Terry, I mean, Kelly does – slash to the basket. He's a guy that's going to create exciting plays. So I think that's the biggest thing I take when I look at Kelly. Now, I do think that uh, there's a bit of a syndrome of him getting numbers on a bad team as far as him averaging close to 20 a game because... The With five point, injured guys, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But with him, like I said, it's just the scores mentality that you like. He brings an aggression on offense. But and, and that's why, I mean, I was hard on Kelly Oubre last year for sure. Like, especially the second half, because he just kept shooting threes and he kept missing and he wasn't doing anything else. I yeah. mean, even defensively, he was not good. If you go to some of the advanced stats defensively, he was way towards the bottom of the league. And we're talking about legitimately worst bottom five when you're going through all of the individuals. But... He's actually stealing the basketball a lot more. And that's what Steve Clifford talked about, which is nice to see. Clifford talks about something, and then it proves to be out there on the court for Kelly. Even past deflections, right? Kelly Oubre and Dennis Smith Jr. were both towards the top of the league. And that is a massive turnaround for Kelly defensively. And offensively, even if his three-point shot is actually falling at a worse rate this year, it's why I'm happier with the way he's playing. Because he is getting to the rim a lot more. And he's actually playing, forcing his shot forcing his spots a little bit more rather than just letting the basketball come to him and just, all right, let, let me let it fly. And that's what would drive me mad about Kelly last year. Not so much this season. And that's why I'm actually pleased with the way that he's been playing. Okay. Let's go to a fitty flash. Then we're debuting our highlight segment coming up right after that. What you got fitty. We're going to keep it in the NBA guys with some other injury news around the association. The Atlanta Hawks have lost four uh, forwards, Deandre Hunter and John Collins to injury. And tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks get back Chris Middleton as they face the woeful Lakers set on ESPN. The Bucks are at 15-6 and six without Chris Middleton. He has been the Robin to Giannis's Batman. It's clear that the Celtics are the best team right now in the Eastern Conference, but do you guys think with the return of Middleton that that positions Milwaukee to be the number two threat in the Eastern Conference? 100%. Milwaukee is a defensive beast right now. Not only are they not allowing three-point shots, or they're not allowing shots at the rim, but now they're defending all over the floor. They are putting together what is a monster defensive season, and that's with even Giannis not shooting as well from two-point range this year. It's a big difference for him. I think Chris Middleton has a great ball handler, a great spot-up shooter for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's going to free Giannis up a lot more because it's not like they even have a lot of depth. That's why they're in pursuit, possibly, of Jay Crowder. Yeah, Milwaukee is about to be a huge force the rest of the way, as long as Chris 
Middleton can stay healthy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Giannis and Chris Middleton is one of the best, are one of the best duos in the NBA. This is an all-star caliber player that we're talking about, so no question about it. But Fiddy, our worst nightmare is coming true, uh, even though I don't think it's going to do a ton. But the Lakers are playing basketball. They've won six of their last ten, so <laughs> it should be an intriguing game tonight. Yeah, we'll see what the Lakers can do the rest of the NBA season. Speaking of duos, Drake May, Josh Downs, that's a pretty good duo. Can they figure it out once again after a slump they've experienced the last two games? What if I told you you can see it in person, the possibility of Carolina getting back on track against the Clemson Tigers this weekend in the ACC championship game? If you are the third caller, we'll give you two tickets to the ACC championship game this weekend. 704-570-9610. That's the number to dial for two free ACC championship tickets. 704-570-9610. And then stick around and listen to the highlight segment coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ. Jim Selenia serenading me, calling Babe as we head into the final segment of the show. I was asking Mr. Fitty about a phone call he received during one of our last couple segments. I imagined it was Jim Selenia calling in, but you would not tell me what you guys talked about. And then you kept smiling, and I can read you like an open book, Fitty. I knew there was something you wanted to keep from me, and sure enough, it was this song coming in at least it's better than piano man and billy joel we don't have to go back to that anymore oh hang on now (laughs) that song is not better than anything that song's not better than billy joel's worst song let alone piano man it it became better after i had to hear piano man for 70 straight (laughs) days it became a lot better big shout to jim seladia and also him calling me babe which might make an appearance in our debut segment of the highlight, the weekly highlight reel in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, let's go to What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. If you're thirsty, you can go to Twin Peaks, Wes. And you I'm not going to have lunch. If I go to Concord Mills after this, it's right there. There you go. Go to Twin Peaks. All right, What's on Tap? It's the Hornets versus Wizards tonight, 7 p.m. at the Spectrum Center. Hoping the Hornets can get a victory. I'll say the Hornets win. You're on the record, Wes. Officially, who wins this game? Yeah, I got the Hornets, like I said, awesome. all averages. I mean, it's not the there greatest reason, but that's what I'm going to It's fine. Fiddy, who are you going with in tonight's matchup? Uh, give me the Bucks because I hate Kyle Kuzma and the Wizards. There you go. I don't know why you hate Kyle Kuzma like that, but fair enough. Also, you do have another college football game tonight. We have some championship weekend starting off. This at uh, 8 p.m., I believe, is the kickoff between USC and Utah. Who do you think wins between the Trojans and the Utes? I got USC uh, in a route, which probably means okay. they'll lose because the last couple of times I said a route, the team lost. So, uh, yeah, but I'm going to go with USC. All all right, Fiddy, do you agree with Wes? I don't think it's going to be a route, but give me the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams and USC. 
I'll call it 38-34 in Vegas. Okay, I'm going to go with the Trojans as well, and they find themselves in the college football playoff, restoring the glory days where Reggie Bush was playing them, or as people would call him, the C.J. Spiller of the West. All right, let's go. <laughs> I was going to say something cheeky, too, uh, but no, you beat me, uh, too. Yeah, you're damn right I did. I had to beat you. I knew you were about to say something. All right, let's debut it. It's the weekly highlights of Wesson Walker. Vinny is the orchestrator of this concert. What is the first highlight that you have for us today, Fiddy? Well, we'll go back to the man that called with the suggestion of me to play that song, I Got You, Babe. And that's because as he was getting off the phone with us earlier this week, he gave us one of the better moments already in show history. Let's take a listen. Jim, you know, God bless you, man. I hope you're okay. I hope things get better to the point where you don't have to heat up double bubble from five, four months old. That is so hard. You have to put it in the microwave, but we appreciate you calling in. I'm surprised, right. not so surprised that nobody won the $200. That's the Jim Salani We all know Jim. Appreciate you, man. Okay, babe. Thanks. <laughs> did he call me babe? <laughs> <laughs> he did. It was undeniable. And then I talked about it with Colin because you didn't know that either. You had to listen back to it to make it a promo. And then you're like, yeah, he absolutely did call me babe. And I didn't expect that. But he did. We just heard it there once again. All right, what's our next highlight? All right, so a lot of Clemson fans were maybe left confused after losing at home to South Carolina. Want to know what's the difference between this South Carolina team and teams of old in the past and ESPN college ball playoff writer Heather Denich, she joined the show on Monday to tell us what exactly is missing from this Clemson program. No Trevor Lawrence, no Deshaun Watson. I mean, to me, that's the difference because you have a defense that at times has shown flashes of the defense that is championship caliber elite level, right? In the committee meeting room, specifically, I asked Selection Committee Chair Boo Corrigan, what is it you guys want to see from Clemson? And the one thing he singled out was inconsistent quarterback play from DJ Uyunglele. And I think anybody who's watched Clemson, whether you're a fan or not, is like, what's Dabo's love affair <laughs> with his quarterback? We know that you have been a defender of DJU, at least when it comes to trying to go to Kate Klubnick in the eyes of some Tigers fans as well as some college football fans. We know that there's been a problem at quarterback. They don't have Deshaun Watson. They don't have Trevor Lawrence. What else is this Clemson team missing in order for them to get back to that college football playoff contention? Well, I think for one, just uh, top-notch skill play. I get tired of saying elite all the time, but top-notch skill play. Like I said, the receivers haven't been what we expected. EJ Williams hasn't done anything since he made the one-hand to catch in the ACC championship and they thought he was going to be the next coming of uh, Jerry Rice. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, Bo Collins is just a guy. Uh, when you're on the other side, Williams, the freshman, he's a good player. But, you know, you don't see flashes of T. Higgins or DeAndre Hopkins or Sammy Watkins or any of those guys. As I said, their best receiver is uh, Allen, the tight end. And so I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think the fact that some of those defensive players – they had a lot of gas coming into the season. We've come to find out they've been a bit overrated. 
and this Clemson defense can be had. Were you surprised to hear Heather when she talked with us about the hype surrounding Kate Klubnick from the team itself? I believe it was Heather who talked about, hey, you should hear the way that these guys talk about Kate Klubnick. Were you surprised to hear that and or do no. you expect that he will be a good quarterback with this team? It's just going to take a little bit longer I than mean, the year he's been here. We hope so. Clemson yeah. has had a lot of four and five star guys that have come through there and hit the transfer portal or right. not been that good a player. So we hope so. Uh, just off what I've seen so far, I just feel like in today's college football, and I don't want to put, put these quarterbacks in the pressure cooker, but in today's college football, these kids are so well-versed when they step on campus that they immediately show you uh, skills and, and they flash and show you that they're going to be something. And I'm not going to say Kate Klubnick's not going to be a good player just because he's not playing great right now. But I'm just saying, guys, you got to put two and two together. If DJ's had some of the outings that he's had and they will not go back to Kate Klubnick when Dabo has shown a propensity to go to a talented freshman when duty calls, I just think that tells me a lot about Klubnick. The team can say what they want. Like I said, he did come out five-star, lots of pedigree, highly touted. I think he didn't lose a football game for three years at his school in Texas. I know it was at least two years because he went to the same high school that Drew Brees went to in Texas. But, um, yeah, I just, like I said with Club Nick, I just don't think he's what we think he is. And when Heather talked about Deshaun and Trevor, there's a reason they're called generational talents. And Clemson has been more than lucky to get two of them. All right, who's the, uh, what is the number three highlight that you have for us, Vinny? Well, yesterday, Willie P showed up in the final segment with the surprise of, with my new stuff, Sir Minty, and Sir Minty is loving his new digs down there at the Marlowe household, but we couldn't let Willie P leave without making sure he, he would back up what he said when he was on the Mac attack on Wednesday, talking about sacrificing his nuggets. Before we let you go. Are you, are you going to get say something bad after I've just given you a gift? No, I just want you – I'm going to give you the chance right now to double down that you would be willing to sacrifice your man biscuits for Brant Bronico if he goes down on the pitch during the upcoming Charlotte FC season. Oh, he went Mike Vrabel on us? Is I that something what, I, he said out loud? I said what I said. I said what I said. Mac, Mac and Bone, they were asking me about Christian Pulisic taking one to the Nuggets. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, you know what? If that happens to Brant Bronico, he can have mine, and that's fine. <laughs> I have no problem with that, and and and, and I've talked to Brant about it. Everything's good. <laughs> are, are, are you serving him with, with with Polynesian sauce, Chick Fil A sauce, or just straight no. nuggets? <laughs> it's a little too saucy for me, to too be honest with you. You want you want you want you want a step too. Yeah, you did go a step too far. You ruined it <laughs> when you were trying to ask what sauce needs to go with the nuggets. Also, an underrated part about that that I would later learn from Willie P in the fishbowl, he really did talk to Brant Bronico about that. They texted afterwards because Brant was listening, and so they talked about it, and he said, hey, they kind of pushed me on the idea, and so I had to stand up for you. Good on Willie P, man, because he's a better man than I am. Fourth one, Fiddy, what you got for us, the last highlight. All right. I was going to ask who y'all would be willing to sacrifice your man biscuits for, but I don't think either one of y'all would be willing to do such a thing. I don't think I would, yeah. Such a not, thing. Can, yeah. can you think of anybody, Wes? No, these loins are, uh, you know, golden. <laughs> <laughs> we just got our last highlight there. All right, what's the next highlight, Fiddy? All right. Also this week, our show was finally starting to hit a rhythm because we really got into our first show-wide Debate, and that was all around Drake or, or all around West Bryant ranking Riley Leonard ahead of Drake May. 
in his final ACC quarterback power rankings. What quarterback in your top five is in Charlotte this Saturday? Has Drake May won the last two games when, the, when it what came down to it? What quarterback's playing for if a conference this, championship? If this is your final, Wes, you are going to have to defend this next year yeah. when we preview the college football ACC slate. And you're going to have to say, according to Wes Bryant, Riley Leonard is the best quarterback coming in. Are you prepared to defend that stance? I'm prepared. When we come in next because year. Because my boy got the stats to okay. back me up. He took his team. No, he that was it. He got 30 touchdowns. <laughs> and with that, that was the take of the week. That was the take of the couple of weeks that we've been doing, Wes mm-hmm. and Walker. Wes Bryant going with Riley Leonard above Drake May. Right. Real quickly, before we go to Kyle Bailey, do you think Drake May makes you eat those words, or do you think we'll be eating your words when you talked about Riley Leonard being better than Drake May after no, his No, I think he'll be somewhere weekend. in the middle. Not to ride right. the fence, but I think he'll be somewhere in the middle. I think he'll have a decent game, but I don't think he'll blow up on Clemson. All right, we got to end it for the week. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. If you want our Tar Heel Clemson Tiger prediction, go to our Twitter handle. How do you yes. spell it? At W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Wes and Walker. Go check us out, man. It's the Kyle Bailey Show up next. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.